Hey friends, welcome back to another episode of In No Hurry. I am your host, Cole Douglas Claiborne. So happy to have you joining me this week for another episode. We have got a great show in store for you this week. But first, if you could go over to Apple Podcasts and leave a five-star review with just a short, simple comment about what you've enjoyed about this show so far, that would be a huge help. It really does help people know that this is a show that they should listen to, and it helps others find this show. That's just one of many ways that you can support the show, but it really does go a long way. My guest this week is Leslie Holiday. She is the wife of Matt Holiday, former St. Louis Cardinals baseball player who we had on the show earlier this year, and she is also one of the co-hosts of the Table 40 podcast that she does with Matt through the Sports Spectrum podcast network and i'm just so excited to bring you guys this conversation because leslie's story is really cool she obviously did the whole baseball wife thing with matt's career they moved around quite a bit from colorado to oakland to st louis and new york and now they're back in oklahoma and even after she had gone to school and done all that she is now going back to school getting an undergraduate degree and then is about to go into seminary And I think it's just a cool story that no matter where you are in life, no matter what age you are, it's never too late to stop pursuing your dreams and your goals. And obviously her podcast with her husband has been such a hit this year. And it's just one of a few ways that she and Matt are doing ministry and trying to reach people. And it's a really, really awesome show. If you've not listened to it, basically she and Matt interview sports figures and other people in the athletics world mostly baseball players, but a lot of other people as well. And just talking really about the family aspect of professional sports and how people navigate that and navigate their faith walk through their professional sports life. So it's a really cool show. Definitely invite you to check it out and you'll get a little bit of a taste of who Leslie is in this conversation. So I'm excited to share this with you guys. Here is my conversation with Leslie Holiday. Well, Leslie, welcome to the show. I'm excited to talk to you. I had Matt on earlier this year, got to talk to him about baseball and obviously your guys' podcast, but now we kind of get to talk about, I guess, what he would consider to be the brains behind the podcast, which is you, and uh, talk about your journey. I guess, how's everything been going for you this year? And, uh, you know, obviously COVID has been kind of a weird thing for everybody, but how have you kind of managed this year and uh, how have you guys managed to start a podcast during everything that's been going on this year? Yeah, I mean, we did start a podcast. Mallory, my friend, um, her name is Mallory Brown, and she is very involved in the pro athlete ministry, and she's more on the football side of things. And we were brainstorming one day about baseball ministry and kind of how to revamp that. And um, I told Mallory, I said, you know what I think would be a great idea is for you all to start a podcast. And I think that you all would do an amazing job <laughs> as podcast hosts. And this is a vehicle of ministry that is a little less intimidating or people can kind of you know, listen to it when they're running or whatever, and kind of figure out what baseball ministry is all about. And so good luck with that. I gave <laughs> you my idea and let's just see how it shakes out. And about a week or so later, she called me and she said, you know what I've been thinking. And that is a, the podcast is a great idea and you're in charge and you're the host. And so <laughs> this is going to be great. And I thought, all right, whatever. And then Matt had retired. Um, I don't think he's ever officially retired by the way, but he retired he's not playing. So I was like, Hey, why don't you do this with me? We've got COVID's going on. Like baseball practice looks a little bit different. You're going to have plenty of time. And we hit record. The first guest was Adam and Jenny Wainwright. Um, and, or the first guest was Lee and Seth Taylor, but then we 
pulled in Adam and Jenny and Lance and Kara and just started talking to a lot of our friends. And so that's sort of the backstory behind Table 40 and how it got started. And so far, so good. We really love it. Yeah, it's it's. Been, I've listened to, to quite a few of the episodes, and it really is just a fun conversation, especially for sports fans that you know love to hear the, the the faith aspect of sports because you hear all of these guys, you know, Adam Wainwright, Jack Flaherty, Lance Berkman, all these guys you're talking about, and you know, just hearing their stories of faith and how that impacted their career is really cool because like you see them all on TV playing playing in big games and all that kind of stuff. You see their ultra competitive nature. But to hear that, like, they're actually fueled. I mean, everybody knows that about Adam Wainwright and guys like that, but it's also just cool to hear their story. And I guess for you, what's been so far the most rewarding thing about doing this podcast and getting to share those stories? The rewarding thing for me is um, so far, like I was telling you before we we hit record, so far we've we've had conversations with people that are our friends. Yeah. And, and I love stories. Like, I love people's stories. I love to see how um, God uses just, everyone's life. Right. And, and so scripture talks about how we're fearfully and wonderfully made. And, and it's just so neat to see how God orchestrates, um, adversity and, and challenges in, in just their lives and just the beauty that can, um, just be told through, um, through their stories. And so for me, like I've, I've known most of, of the things, but to be able to share them with other people and, and provide, some encouragement through the lives of my friends has been incredibly rewarding. And um, I've gotten a couple emails over the course of the last couple weeks that, you know, lately, the last couple weeks, um, it seems like people have been listening to the podcast a little bit more. Yeah. And just little things like, um, Leslie, thank you so much for the story with Sean Casey, because Sean Casey shared that that he's been through a divorce. And I think oftentimes as Christians, um, I don't know what it is about ministry, but it's, it's like, sometimes it seems that Christians are afraid to have those conversations that a brother in Christ has gone through a divorce. I mean, yeah. it doesn't mean that Sean's not a believer. It means that he's a believer that's gone through a really, really difficult time. And he needed his brothers and sisters um, to rally around him and help him through something that neither he nor his ex-wife now wanted when they said their vows. Right. right. And so for me, it's, it's been really cool to, be able to have conversations with our friends and that point to Jesus at some point or other in the conversation. And, um, it, I don't know, just, it, it's just been neat. Cause for me, like I know, I know their, their stories and I know how, how they've had to rely on the Lord. And it, it's been cool to, to share those with other people, if yeah. that makes sense. Oh, and for so, sure. I don't know if there's been one, one conversation in particular that stands out. I just think that all of them in, in and of themselves have been, you could, cause you're a gifted writer. You could write a devotional on every single one of the, <laughs> the conversations that we've had with, with our friends. Yeah. And, and I'm grateful for that opportunity. Yeah. And I'm, most of the people you know that you've had, I think you mentioned are, are mostly your friends, people that you've known. Has there been anything that you've learned in these podcast conversations about some of these people that maybe you didn't know before you recorded the show? Yeah. Um, I was, we were talking to Mike Boyden and he's the, he's the basketball coach at Oklahoma state university. And, um, I was surprised at, at how, when he was, he was sharing a story about how, when he was a young man or a young boy, he was arrested and I'd never heard that story before. And he was, it was, he was very vulnerable, vulnerable about it. Like he said that he was just on his bike and, and, and he was, was pulled over and by some police and he was arrested and and he shares like details of that that did kind of surprise me 
And I was also surprised when we talked to Ben Roethlisberger, um, I didn't know that his mother had passed away when he was a young man. And so that in that conversation, I think that that was the first time as a new host that I was like at a loss for words because yeah. I didn't know whether like, do we comfort him? Because I was so surprised by him just opening up saying, yeah, man, when I was a kid, my mom died. And I was like, oh, wait a second. Like, that's what'll be great to have a producer someday to where they can give me a heads up that Ben Roethlisberger's mother passed away when she was, when he was tiny, because I just was at a loss for words. Like, I didn't know what to do because if that conversation was in my home and it wasn't being recorded, I would have been like, oh, wait a second. Can we talk about that for a second? How was that for you? But I didn't know what to do as somebody that is new to this world. Like, do you just keep moving past it because he said it so casually or do you, or do you lean into that a little bit more? And so yeah. those are examples of, of just things that I can think of right off the bat that yeah. have happened that I wasn't quite prepared for. Yeah. And one thing, you know, whenever I've done any interviews or, you know, talking to people on this podcast and, and whenever I've taught some of my students too, about how to do interviews, I always just try to approach every converse, every interview, like it's just a conversation. I think those are the ones that are the most natural that feel the, the most natural to listen to. And honestly, like, you know, in that situation, like, you know, like, if, if, if what's being, if what's natural is to comfort him, I feel like the listener, like, can empathize with that. And they would, they would, you know, be on board with that too. And I guess for you as like a, just a human being in an interviewer, what have you learned about yourself? And maybe uh, like, you know, you said like you didn't know how to handle that conversation because it was being recorded. I mean, what have you learned, I guess, about yourself just as a person, as an interviewer, as a conversationalist, since you started this podcast, like, have you kind of found a groove of like when to kind of go deeper and when to maybe not go as deep or just kind of, I think, I guess, what's the, the rhythm that you found in terms of how you have these conversations? Well, the one thing I learned um, from the very beginning is that I talk too much. And so, <laughs> and, I mean, and so, and when we listened to, uh, I listened to one of the earlier interviews that we did and I was like, oh my gosh, Leslie, you talk so much, but I wasn't confident in how to ask a question. Yeah. And so I think I got really nervous that, okay, there's a record button that, cause I, I mean, I am a master at shooting the breeze in my house. Like I love people and I love to talk to people and I love to ask questions and I love to get to know you and, and learn about your life. And, and I've always been like that ever since yeah. I was a little girl. And, um, but I think I got real nervous at the beginning, like, oh my gosh, I didn't, I didn't ask this question very professionally. So then I would just keep talking and talking and talking until then they're kind of like, oh, wait a second, what in the world did she just ask me? So I've learned how to kind of scale down my ideas into a cleaner question, so yeah. to speak. Um, I think that that has been something that I've learned. I think, um, Another thing I've, I've learned is that we don't have a very, um, we don't have a script and I, and we, and again, we talked about this earlier. A lot of it is because we, we've had our, our friends on. Um, but a lot of it is because I like to listen to what people have to say and then kind of go from there. Because yeah. if the heart of the podcast is table 40, which means like, I want to bring you into my home, like you are at my table and we were talking to this guy and girl together or whatever. I, I just want it to be very organic and I want them to understand that they are seen, they are loved, they are heard. And I feel like when it's a, a, a strongly scripted conversation, I don't want my agenda to, to be um, yeah. highlighted. I want the, I want the Lord's agenda and, and their story to be highlighted. And so I think that that's something that, that I've learned as well, but um but I have definitely improved on the talking too much. So I'm, I'm proud of that. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, honestly, 
anytime, like I said, whenever I've taught my students and even whenever I've, you know, have worked in journalism, done interviews, I have very, very rarely ever showed up with a list of questions. And I've had some guests that they've asked me to send them questions ahead of time that I might ask. And I'm like, look, I'm sorry. That's just not how I do it. Like I, I don't ever, cause if I, if I come in here and like, I'll have top, don't get me wrong. I have topics that I know I want to talk about. And for me, it's not very hard to recall those topics and ask them. But if you're coming with a list of questions and you're just going straight down that list and you're so focused on that list, like you said, it does become kind of your own agenda and you're not having a natural conversation. And I think the listener is going to pick up on that. And the person you're interviewing is going to pick up on the fact that you're not really listening to what they're saying. You're just asking the questions you have prepared. And to me, like, if you say something that I had no idea that you were going to say that, like, maybe there's something you bring up into this conversation that I didn't know, like, it just makes sense to, to go deeper with that. And I think what you guys are doing is, is perfect. And that's what it's funny. Cause Matt said, he goes, I was surprised at how easy this was. You kind of just have a conversation with people. And I said, yeah, I mean, that's all it is. Like whenever you interview somebody, you're just having a natural conversation. And I think, you know, I've been interviewed by people before and I could just tell that they just weren't as prepared or they were just nervous or they didn't know how to approach an interview. You know, they see maybe some people do it and they kind of just go down a list and it's like, just pay attention to what they're saying. And if they say something interesting, you can just kind of follow up on that. And for some people that's more difficult to do than others, but I think the most natural conversations are that. So to give you some kind of a, a comfort, you, you guys are doing that really well. And I think the listener notices that and it's, it makes for, for really good conversations. So whatever you guys are doing, it's, it's working out. It's, it's sounding really good. Well, good, good. That's good to hear <laughs> from somebody that knows what they're talking about. <laughs> Besides my dad, my dad's loved every one of them. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway. Yeah. Well, I mean, but it does help that you guys have natural chemistry because I can even tell though, like whenever I've had people on that maybe I didn't know so well. Uh, and mo most of my conversations have gone really well, whether I know the person or not, but some of them I can tell that it's like there wasn't a natural chemistry and it's kind of been a little bit, you know, not, not awkward, but it's just been not as natural with some people. But for the most part, I feel like when the guest can feel comfortable with you as the interviewer, then the conversation just flows a whole lot better. And I think you guys do really well at that. So that's good. Thanks. So what is the, you mentioned the table 40, what does the 40 part of that name mean? What's the significance of that? So um, it comes from Psalm 40. And okay. so Psalm 40 is one of my favorite passages in scripture. I think that it's something that all of us can be united with when we think about our, our a salvation story or our salvation story. And so David wrote it, and it's just this picture of um, that Jesus pulls us from the pit of destruction and places us on a firm foundation and then gives us a new song to sing. And I think that that everyone has been in the pit of destruction, whether they have been a Christian since they were little bitty or they were um, a, a Christian much older. And we all have this rescue story and and our salvation is received. It's not achieved. And um we receive Jesus's hand. He pulls us up and he places us on a firm foundation. And, and I believe um, that that firm foundation consists of just learning more about the faith. And then I think every res responsibility for all believers is once we learn more about the faith that the Lord, the Lord just gives us a new song to sing and we need to start sharing our story and we need to start sharing what Jesus means to us. Um, and in whatever way um, we've been created to do so, right? I mean, I, I think I look at, I have a couple favorite pastors like Matt Chandler is yep. my number one guy. Love him. I, yeah. I love listening to him teach. And the way he sings his song looks a whole lot different than Stephen Furtick, right? And yep. I like him too. And so I just think for me and for Matt and the ministry that, that we wanted to um, put out there was 
was table 40. We wanted, we wanted it to be just an organic conversation and more of a round table discussion, not that we're authority or we have it all figured out, but just, just come with us and on this journey with our friends. And, and, um, but we ultimately want to talk about how Jesus rescued us from, from what we need to be from ourselves, I guess. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, but that's sort of where it came from is, is Psalm 40. That's awesome. I love that. And we were talking before we recorded about how you, obviously you're in school as well right now. And how have you managed being in school, working toward eventually, you know, you want to be in seminary. How have you managed all that with starting this podcast and trying to grow the podcast and and do it well and all that, especially during such a weird year, whenever we don't really know what's going on week to week. (laughs) You know, some days I manage it really well and some days I manage it incredibly poorly. Um, I am in school, like I'm a full-time student. So there's a lot of hours that I have to dedicate to making the grades that I want to make. Um, I really care about, um, get, I really care about learning it right. And so I'm not, I don't make bees and I don't say that in an arrogant way. <laughs> I say that because I really care about the effort that I put in yeah. and I really care about the assignments that I sent, send back to my teachers. And so there are days that it's ugly. Like Reed will watch YouTube videos about Fortnite or whatever else all day long if, if he's not in school. And it's sad, like there, I feel guilty about it, but at the same time, I mean, I'm just being honest with you. Like, I don't think it's fair for, especially women that I have a bunch of kids. I have four kids. I'm married. I teach two Bible studies a week and I'm in school full time. And, um, and then we have the podcast as well. And there are days it's ugly to where I, I wish that my day didn't go that way. I wish that I would have been more organized where I got up earlier in the morning. I had breakfast organized. I did my school before the kids got up, but like a day like today, it seriously rewatched you all day long. He had SpaghettiOs and oatmeal and he hasn't eaten dinner yet. And it's six 30. And yeah. then, so you see what I'm saying? Like yeah. there are days that, that I look like an awesome Pinterest mom, like I have it all together, but most days it's, it's pretty messy, but yeah. we're, I'm figuring it out. And, um, I graduate soon and everyone in this house has sacrificed so I could go to school. And, um, I know that all sounds super selfish, yeah. but I did feel called to school. So the t- team holiday has rallied around their mama. So I can get <laughs> this thing done. But the podcast has been beautiful. I mean, it's a, like I said, it's been, it's been primarily our friends. And then we have our friends pretty much scheduled out through the next couple months. And so it's been real flexible. Um, It hasn't been like, we don't have a recording day. We record when, um, when they're available and we're available. So sometimes it's nine o'clock in the morning. Sometimes it's 11 o'clock at night. And Jason Romano, um, who runs Sports Spectrum has been incredibly gracious because there are times when we turn in these interviews on Monday night and they're out on Tuesday morning. So he's been really patient, really gracious with, with our process. So anyway, if that answers your question, oh, so yeah. I, um, I just don't ever want someone to think that, that it's, uh, it, it, that it's, it's this perfect little organized situation. I mean, there are some days it is, but for the mm-hmm. most part, it's pretty messy. Well, yeah, I mean, I think anytime that you bring in a lot of different stuff to your life, it's some days are going to be a lot harder than others. You know, we're all trying to do a lot. And even this year, whenever things have slowed down a little bit, it still is difficult whenever you're managing a lot. And for you, what what age are your kids? And are, are they uh, in what school, what level of school are they in? So Jackson will be 17 on the 4th of December, and he's a junior. 
Um, Ethan is 13 and okay. he's in the grade. And um, Grayson's 11 and she's in the fifth grade. And Reed is in the first grade and he's seven years old. Okay. So we have a big gap. And, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I'm a high school English teacher. And, and right now we're on virtual school until at least January. How has your kids' schools been handling the coronavirus and, and how has that, how have you guys have, have, as parents uh, been able to navigate that with them? Cause I know different parts of the country, some places are in, we, we were in school like in the building up until last week. And then now we're, because we've had so many cases here in Kentucky, we had to move to virtual, but I don't know exactly what it is for you guys in Oklahoma, but what does the school year look like for your kids and for you guys as parents? Well, Jackson, my oldest, um, the, they go to public school. So my two oldest kids go to public school and, and Stillwater Public School sourced out an online um, opportunity called Edgenuity. That's what we and do, so okay. He does Edgenuity and, and he voted on that early in all this. So at the very beginning, they had an opportunity to choose virtual or go in classroom and Jackson chose virtual um, in, his, in his mind. He was like, I'm going to get up really early. I'm going to do school. I'm going to play around a golf. I'm going to go to basketball practice. Yeah. And then when baseball rolls around, I'm going to play around a golf. I'm going to go <laughs> play baseball. So in his mind, he's like, this is awesome. It's centered all around golf. I love that. <laughs> yes, it's centered all around, around a golf and then his sport. And so, and you know what? He's, he's doing just fine. He's figured it out. It's, it's like that the great thing for him is that I've been in online school for five years. So I can kind of tell him like, look, bud, you and I cup of coffee, we got to knock this thing out in the morning. Cause if not, the day goes, gets, you know, gets crazy. Yeah. And then Ethan, my second one, they do um, an A-B schedule. That's but what right now, to, yeah. the virus is really high in Oklahoma. And so they're all online. Okay. And his is a little, um, it's a little bit harder because they have, they have so many electives. And so they have PE, Zoom, and things like that that are a little bit difficult for the, I can't imagine how the teachers feel. But for the kids, they're kind of like, I don't, it's, so it's just been a long day and a lot of hit and miss. And then my two youngest go to a private Christian school and it's a little church school. So they've haven't missed a day of school yet. They're in a classroom, they wear masks, they, but it's small, real yeah. small. And it's been beautiful because the younger, the younger education is hard for me because how tedious it is. And, um, I feel a lot of pressure, you know, <laughs> so yeah. like, I'm like, Oh, these are basics that you need to thrive in life. Like I'm nervous about teaching you how to read and write and all that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> So they're, thank goodness they're in school with their amazing teachers and their schools are, their school's been awesome. Yeah. So that's kind of how we roll during the week and, um, and their sports are still going, Yeah. you know, and, but the school has been kind of online. Yeah. That, that probably does help your kids a little bit, just that you've been doing online school. And I granted it's yours is probably geared for online versus now when public schools are kind of adapting what we're doing to online. Cause like, I've never taught an online class and I'm going to have to figure that out. Like we've been preparing for it. So like, it's a lot more, I guess we're a lot more prepared than teachers were in the spring when this happened, but it doesn't make it any easier nonetheless, but probably it's got to help a little bit that you you know have been doing online stuff like that. So I guess what, what, uh, what rhythms maybe that you were doing have maybe helped translate to your kids as they've kind of been doing online school. Yeah. You know, I, I schedule it like work and that's what I, I told the kids that they needed to do. And, and I was like, I, you know, I get up usually had the rhythm of my week is get up, take the kids to school, go on a run, um, come back and sit down in my office and do school from about 10 to two and, um, or two 30. And then I 
pick the kids up and then, you know, I'm off and I'm fully engaged in, in my family. So from about 10 to two 30 is when I, I work, so to speak. Yeah. And that's what I told my boys. I was like, you guys need to get your athletic schedule, whatever that is. That's when, when, you know, you need to, you need to do your school around your sports schedule because your sports schedule is non-negotiable. I mean, your coach set that. So you need to figure out how to, how to work during those hours. And so they get up too. they get up when I get up, we eat breakfast and, and we sit down and do school. And so it's been kind of neat for me really, because, you know, especially Jackson, he's a junior. So next year is his last year living at home. And it's been kind of cool to, to, to do school together and sit yeah. down in the house and visit. And he's on his computer. I'm on my computer. And so the, but like I said earlier, I mean, my days aren't always that way, especially, you know, they're out for a week right now and, but I'm not out and Jackson's not out and, you know, and, and so what, but the little ones are out. So that's why the days get a little messy. Yeah. <laughs> so. What's up everybody. I'm Spence with almost home clothing. And I, I kind of know what you're thinking. You have no idea what almost home clothing is. Well, let me tell you a little bit about us right now. We have hoodies, we have t-shirts, we have mugs. We're hoping for some hats in the future, but we are just a brand that a portion of all of our proceeds goes to prison reform. Right now, we just wanted to um, give God a chance to show off. So we go in these prisons, we take them through uh, classes, we take them through programs, we shelter them, we clothe them, we do our very, very best to clear up a future for the for these beautiful humans um, that seems a little bit foggy. We would love for you guys to check us out at almosthomeclothing.com or check us out on our Instagram at almosthomeclothing. So tell me a little bit more about your education journey then, because you obviously went back to school a little bit later in life and you're in undergrad now with the plan of going to seminary. So where, where, what school are you at right now? What are you studying? And then what is your eventual plan uh, as you get into seminary? Okay. So when I graduated high school, um, I went to Oklahoma state and I was a nutrition major at Oklahoma state and I loved it. Then I met Matt on a blind date and I was a sophomore in high school or a sophomore in college. So I met Matt my sophomore year and we were dating and then we got engaged my junior year. And my parents said, absolutely no way where you get married your junior year. You have to wait at least <laughs> a year. And I said, all right. And so my senior year, my Christmas of my senior year, we got married. Um, and there was some negotiations that went on with Janice and Steve. And we decided that we could get married in December instead of May when I graduated. But the promise was I would go back to school and finish my degree. And so Matt and I get married in December. I have about 12 hours left to graduate with a nutrition degree. And we never came back. And I and they didn't have online school then because yeah. we got married in 2000. Yeah. And so I just kind of, and, and you know what, that might not be true. They may have had it, but it wasn't a smooth thing. Right. And so I never really pursued it. Um, and then as Matt's career progressed and we start moving and having kids, I never even thought about finishing. I was like, whatever, you know? Um, and so yeah. then 2015, I, I felt like a call to ministry, which was kind of neat. I was at dinner with some friends and one of my good girlfriends was getting divorced from one of Matt's teammates. And it was kind of, a that was messy and hard. And she, was she would come to Bible study a lot, but she never told us about the things that were going on at home. And it really bothered me. And so I called her, her name's Lauren. And I called Lauren and I said, Hey, can I talk to you about a couple of things? It bothers me that, that I um, never knew what was going on at home. And, 
until until this thing's final. Like your divorce kind of shocked me. I'll be honest. Da -da. We had this conversation. It was a really, really honest conversation. And she just said, Leslie, I just was so embarrassed. I was so embarrassed to come to Bible study and say that these things were going on in my marriage and that this is sort of the reality that existed in my life. And and it hurt my heart because the where I was in in my understanding of scripture at the time was it I couldn't reconcile that thought process. And I was sort of like, why in the world or why does she feel this way? Yeah. Like, what yeah. is it about the Christian circle that makes her feel like she can't bring her mess into Bible study? And it bothered me. And so I went home and I told my friend Hannah, I said, I feel like I've been called to ministry, but I know I need to go to school first because I might be missing something here. There may, I may not have a, the proper understanding of what Christianity actually is. And so going to school, I, I just wanted to learn what's real about what the Christian faith and what's not real about the Christian faith. And, and I did, man, I enrolled about two months later after that conversation with Lauren and I enrolled in school and I go to Ozark Christian college. And I started in 2015, I graduate in May. I've had to take some like modules off and stuff because of all the moving. Cause yeah. I started out when Matt was Cardinals and then, you know, we stopped off the Yankees. We went back to the Rockies. He retired. We moved from Florida to Oklahoma, you know, and so there's been a lot of, a lot of transition. And so I've had to take some time off, but I'll be excited to graduate in May. And then I'm starting. Um, I applied to Dallas theological seminary. I hope I get in. I'll be so sad if I don't. So, um, anyway, <laughs> but if I don't, I'll, I'll apply somewhere else, yeah. but, um, yeah, I want to go to, I want to continue my education. Um, I learned I am right about Jesus. That was right. Jesus yeah. is, uh, loves the mess. He's come, yeah. he says, come on, bring it to me. Um, all of you are, that are weary and tired, I'm your person. And so, um, that was great news. I was glad that I was glad that I kind of had a pretty good understanding of, of the faith, but, um, school has cultivated this love for scripture and love for the Lord that is just so deep and so fun and like so full of adventure. And I want to go to seminary. I want to learn more. And, um, how I use it is just, I don't know. I don't have a plan. I don't have this big vision board. I don't have, um, all these grand ideas or starting a ministry or anything like that. I just, I just like to, I just like to learn more because I think it's in first Peter three, it talks about, um, if someone asks you about your faith, do you have an answer? Yep. And so I mean, obviously I'm summarizing that verse, yeah. but that's actually what it says. And for me, like going to school, I feel like the more you input, the more you can output. And so when someone does ask me about my faith, um, I'll feel more equipped to answer and, and feel like I'm giving, um, I, I just think there's nothing more important than having a really good understanding of, of your faith. And, yeah. um, and for me, that's the real heart behind going to school. But who knows if, if a job opening comes up or something that they need a women's minister, I'd probably take it. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I don't know. I mean, yeah. <laughs> so who knows? I'm just kind of loving school and, and loving all that I'm learning about the Lord. It sounds like to me, at least, that you've just kind of been faithful with wherever the Lord has, has taken you. And obviously, you know, Matt's career, you know, toward the end, he had a couple different stops. I and mean, he was with the Cardinals for a long time. He was with the Rockies before that for a long time, uh, with the A's for half a season. So you guys have moved around quite a bit. And, uh, you know, I guess it just seems to me like like you've just been faithful with, with what the Lord has called you to do. And maybe you could speak to that a little bit, because I feel like I don't want to put words in your mouth, but at least from my perspective, you know, it, the Lord prompted you to go back to school and then the seminary and that kind of stuff. And, you know, for you, as you've kind of gone through this journey, what have you learned 
not just not just about being faithful to God, but also His faithfulness toward you and your endeavors. Yeah, you know, I I um, like to say yes to things. Yeah, and so I I just I just do. I like to say I like to say yes to things, but then once I say yes to things, it's really uncomfortable if you don't know what you're talking about. And so for me, like I, I just, um, yeah, I, I do believe that I have been faithful to promptings from the Holy spirit. I do believe that that conversation with Lauren was very pivotal in what God wanted me to do Yeah. because it's, it's like, it's, I, I know that I know that I know that I know that the Lord prompted me to go to school because, um, I, I had some things to learn. And, and one of the things I had to learn is that, is that I had a lot of things to learn. And so I, you know what I mean? And yeah. so it's been such a humbling and, and incredible experience for me to say yes to this prompting from the Holy spirit. And so when you do that and you see how God's been faithful to shape and mold and, and, um, and, and just be so faithful to encourage my, my spirit and, and remove things in my life that I didn't realize were a stumbling block to, to me and to others. And, and through the just deep study of, of the word of God, I've changed so much. And I think when you've experienced that and you've experienced God faithfulness, um, by being obedient to a yes. Right. And so yeah. I, I think it, it becomes like the other things you, you just kind of, you just are kind of, um, how would I describe it? At more you anticipate hearing from the Lord and then you want to say yes, because you know that that yes means that there's going to be some good, um, God's going to show himself to be faithful, to continue to grow me, continue to mold me, continue to sanctify me. And, and I love that feeling. I love yeah. that feeling of, of feeling the presence of the Lord and, and the growth and, and just um, all the good stuff that comes with learning more about who you are under the authority of Christ, if that makes if that makes sense. And so, oh, but yeah. I love to say yes to stuff. I mean, the podcast, I'll be honest at first, I was like, Oh no, that's better for Mallory, but um, <laughs> she's going to have a podcast and it's going to be awesome. And so, yeah. anyway, but I'm glad we said yes to the podcast. It's been a good thing. It's been a, it's been a nice thing for some growth and maturity in my life for sure. Uh, oh, for sure. And just uh, kind of sticking on the, the faithfulness aspect of this, you know, I mean, you guys have had to be faithful in terms of like where Matt's career was going. Cause whenever you're, I mean, I'm obviously have never been a professional athlete, but I'm very familiar with the life of a professional athlete. And, you know, I, I always have kind of wondered like on trade deadline day, like as a baseball fan, that's like one of my favorite days of the season to see who's going where, but I'm also like, you kind of forget that players are kind of told without their choice that they're having to move to another town. And they just, it, I just, it, no other career, like you wouldn't walk into your accounting job and then your boss says, Hey, we're, sending you to this accounting firm in Boston. And it's like, all right, we're going to help you pack your stuff up and move it. It's like, you kind of forget that whenever you're lost as a sports fan. And as you kind of thought about your career with, with, you know, or your, your marriage with Matt during his career and all that kind of stuff, how, how did, how did you guys navigate that as a married couple? Cause I just don't know what that's like to be. I've always kind of thought like, I would love to see a story or some kind of a documentary done on like, the anatomy of a trade and what that looks like for a player and their family. Can you kind of just describe like what that's like as a career, you know, uh, being the, the wife of a professional athlete during their career, when they've had to move around a lot, sometimes it's by their own choice when they sign as a free agent, but like he was traded mid year from Oakland to St. Louis, you know, and, and that sort of stuff. And so like, what is that like just as a, as a wife and as a married couple and, and how did, how did you guys, uh, 
you know, rely on God through those different seasons? Well, I, so when Matt was with the Rockies, um, we, there was, it's so usually how it goes is, is you have this idea that you're going to get traded. I mean, you, you kind of are prepared, um, answer your question, how you rely on the Lord. I remember my prayer was always like, God, give me wisdom and prepare my heart. Give me wisdom and prepare my heart. And that was a, that was a prayer that I, I prayed a lot. Um, and it actually has been a very consistent prayer in my life. So our God has shown up in major ways in that. I remember when Matt was with the Rockies, uh, we were, I guess it was, um, 2008. I think it was, we were pulling out the last, the last games of the season, you usually gather your things. So there's a, there's a family room and, and we had two kids at the time. And and so I gathered all their stuff. So I would have all their sippy cups and all of their things. So you gather stuff, you put it in the car. And I remember leaving Coors Field and I was looking in the rear view mirror. And for whatever reason, I saw all the Coors Field in the rear view mirror. And I thought in my, and the Lord had in my heart, because I'd been praying that prayer, like, give me wisdom and prepare my heart in my heart. I felt like this is it. You're not going to be back. And I was so, and I, I just sensed it in, in such a real way. And, and, um, anyway, then a couple of weeks later, Matt did an interview with a guy named Tracy Ringlesby and it wasn't a very positive interview. <laughs> and then it was like, it didn't need the Lord to tell me that like the, it was, the writing was on the wall that we were probably not going to be back there. And so, um, anyway, we, we packed our car and moved out to California. Matt's agent is in California and they have a training facility there. So we just, we went out there, rented a house and trained in California. And I remember Dan O'Dowd, he was the general manager of the Rockies at the time. He called Matt. We were on our way back from the training facility he called Matt. He says, you've been traded. And Matt's like to where? And we thought it was going to be the Cardinals because we had a friend, Matt's best friend from high school is the video guy at, um, with the Rockies. And he was like, the Cardinals have been asking for video, but also the A's, but Matt's contract was relatively high. And so we didn't think there's any way the A's were going <laughs> yeah. to have a contract. Right. We were like, there's yeah. no way the Moneyball guy. Right. So yeah. anyway, I'd pit the whole thing. So anyway, we were like, he's not going <laughs> to, he's not going to take it. And so we didn't think there's any way it's going to be the A's. And Dan's like, we've traded you to the A's and Matt's like pull over. And he, I'm driving. And I, <laughs> I pull over on the side of the road. He's probably thrilled. I'm telling this story, but this is a true story. And he throws up, he starts throwing up because wow. he was like Oakland because baseball rat. Right? I'm, I mean, I'm certain he's going to be a manager someday in the major leagues. Like this dude is a baseball guy. So immediately he hears Oakland and all he thinks about is the fat, you know, like the foul ground in Oakland is so wide, very yeah. unforgiving. And so, and, and like, like he's a guy that, that works account, right? So he hits lots of balls out of play. Well, not there. And so immediately he's thinking my batting average is going to suffer. This is a terrible place for people to hit. Like I, I'm a, I'm a hitter. Like, you know, and yeah. so Matt's just rolling through all these scenarios and he's like vomiting on the side of the road. So he gets, he gets back in the car, gathers himself and he's like, we're going to Oakland. So anyway, we go to Oakland and, um, and it was hard. And, and, but as a, as a wife and, and I, I am pretty strong. Like I, I have brothers. I've really, I mean, I, when you're only girl in a family, like you, you get tough. And so I was like, I was going to be great. It's gonna be fine. No big deal. Again, like I'm praying for wisdom, discernment. I'm praying for God to prepare my heart. It was a wonderful experience in Oakland. As far as families go, there were great 
great people on the team, a great organization. It was a terrible field. He was right. He did struggle offensively. Um, he was traded to the, to the Cardinals. And that was a different vibe because we wanted to be there so bad. And Matt's dream was to play for the Cardinals. He loved it. He loved the whole thing. Tony LaRusso was the manager. We loved, we loved him too. Oh, Albert was over there. Like, so basically we get that call and it's a completely different deal. And we, um, we were so excited and we were in New York as a family. They call in, they're playing in, they're playing in Philadelphia. The family packs up like in 30 seconds and get on a train from New York to Philly. Matt played that night. I flew home two days later, packed the house up in Oakland, shipped the car back, grabbed the, I was pregnant, have two little kids. We moved back to St. Louis. We live in an apartment and kind of the rest is history. We stay with the Cardinals for eight years, seven. Well, that was eight years. We were with the Cardinals. And then um, again, like at the end of that run with the Cardinals, um, I, I knew in my soul, I was like, okay, you got to keep praying that prayer, like wisdom and, and just pray for wisdom, pray for discernment and pray that the Lord will prepare your heart. And, and I remember I, this is kind of a funny story. I'm, I'll tell you anyway, I've told you all this other stuff. So I may as well tell you yeah. this one. So I started seeing like sevens everywhere, right? Cause I, I've been praying this prayer. Cause I, I knew that Mo was going to have to make a decision. John Mozeliak was going to have to make a decision on whether or not they were going to keep Matt. Cause um, anyway, I, I, they, or whether they're going to pick up his, he may have had an option. I'm not, I don't remember, but I just, I knew that the contract was over and they were going to have to make a decision on whether or not to keep him. And he had had um, an injury, like he had broken his hand yeah. and um, whatever. So I knew that it would kind of be either here nor there. So, but I'd started seeing sevens everywhere, like everywhere. I'm talking like if I were on a flight, it was flight seven, 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 the gate seven, like target seven, like the receipt seven fifty seven. Like it was just the weirdest thing. I'm telling wow. you so bizarre. So I'm doing my Bible study that morning. And I'm with my friend Hannah again. And um, we're, we're kind of talking about, it. I'm like, man, this is weird. And I'm just kind of reading the Bible and, and making some notes. I said, I've been seeing sevens everywhere. And Hannah goes, Oh, that is weird. That's like God's number of completion. And then like in my spirit, I was like, I was over. We're not going to be back here anymore. And so and I knew it like, cause I felt like, and that was I, his number in St. Louis too. That was his number. Right. So then the story gets weirder. So yeah. then so I tell Matt, I'm like, Hey bud, you need to talk to Mo. Like you guys are friends. You need to talk to Mo, but I feel in my soul that you're not going to be back here. And he goes, you really think that? And he said, I'll take like $5 to play here next year. Surely they're going to want me back. And Matt, I'm like, Matt, I'm telling you, I feel it in my spirit. You're not going to be back here. I've been praying about this. And I feel like God's prepared my, my heart. Like you're not going to be back here next year. And he's like, whatever. So anyway, he goes and he talks to Mo that day. And I'm, I'm not even joking. I'm driving into the stadium and it's like 7.07 <laughs> and I get a phone call. And this is a true story. I get this phone call and Matt's like, you, you're right. Um, they're not going to have me back. And I was like, you've got to be kidding me. And I mean, even though the Lord had prepared my heart, I was still so disappointed because we loved St. Louis and it wasn't about money. Like Matt is so not demanding. Like this guy yeah. would play for nothing. You know I mean? $7. Right. $7. You totally <laughs> play for $7. Yeah. And so anyway, so then watch the game, watch the film. It's the craziest thing you've ever seen. Like seven all-star games, number seven seventh inning I think the score ends up being like seven to zero when he comes up and hits the stinking home run that he wasn't whatever you know you know that deal yeah but it's just so crazy how the Lord was so faithful to prepare my heart give me wisdom all of those things in in um 
in in those in those years of being traded and moving and all of all of that stuff and so yeah. it was pretty wild but um yeah so then we went to new york and um then back to back to colorado and yeah. now we're home and so anyway but yeah isn't that crazy that's a that, funny story that is crazy and i i remember when he changed his number to seven because i had just bought a number 15 matt holiday oh. t-shirt jersey <laughs> And then he signed his yeah. extension with the Cardinals. And then at the same time, he was like, hey, I'm changing my number to seven. And I was like, I just bought this jersey. Yeah. <laughs> so I only got to wear it for about a week. And I was like, now I've got this number 15 Matt Holiday like throwback. It's like nobody else has a number 15 Matt Holiday jersey. Because that was just the number you. that he initially wore whenever he got to St. Louis. I remember the day that he got traded. And I was I was so excited. Because there were some rumors you know, that he was going to get traded. And at the time, you know, they traded – uh, one of their top prospects, Brett Wallace. And everybody was like, oh my gosh, they traded Brett Wallace. Why did they trade him? I'm like, they got Matt Holiday. I don't care who they trade. They got Matt Holiday. And I remember that night I had a buddy over to watch the game uh, whenever he first came to St. Louis. And we were just like, man, I can't believe Matt Holiday is on the Cardinals. So obviously the rest was history. 2011, they won the World Series. And to me, like I think I was telling you, like that will always be my favorite. My, I don't know that there's anything that's going to top the, the 2011 World Series just because they were so far out of it in September, August, they were like 12 and a half games out. And it was like, this team is done. And then they just kept clawing back, clawing back. And they finally got in on the last day. And then it was like just a miracle run. And then obviously what happened in the world series was a miracle in itself. And so I just, I don't know that I'll have anything that ever tops that. So I guess for, from your perspective, what are some of the members, obviously you kind of shared some memories here, but aside from just like on the field, what are some of your favorite memories uh, just as a wife, you know, watching Matt's career? Um, you know, in Colorado was really, really cool. Um, obviously all the stuff in St. Louis was neat, but Colorado was a different vibe because we grew up with those guys. And so Matt and I got married in two, in 2000. Um, and, and then when you, so you go and you're in the minor leagues and, and you grind it out in the minor leagues and the guys that are your roommates fast forward a couple of years, ended up being your teammates in the major leagues. And so to be able to share those moments to where, you get called up to the big leagues together and, and you get to do all these first things together as a, as um, kind of a family. It, it's really cool. And so yeah. there was a player named Garrett Atkins. Um, he was one of our roommates, a guy named Corey Sullivan was one of our roommates. Ryan Spielborgs was not a roommate, but he was pretty much, you know, part of our family as, as a young couple. And I, we were the only married ones. And so it was, it was just neat to have those guys, um, you know, they were around when we had Jackson and when we had Ethan and, and then to just experience that, um, those first couple of years in the major leagues together was really, really special. Yeah. And then Troy Tulisky was a rookie. Um, and he became part of like the little holiday family that, you know, extended family. So it was so neat to be able to see his career kind of develop there. Um, and it, I don't know, that was neat to be able to go to the world series and for Matt to have the kind of MVP caliber year that he had in 07, uh, it was just really cool. And, yeah. and because you just did it with a, you weren't, you know, cause when you go to the Cardinals and you, and you sign the contract that he signed and you're, it's a different role. Um, there's more expectation. There's more, it's more professional, so to speak, you yeah. know, it, but back then in Colorado, it was just, it was just fun. Yeah. And it was, it was so laid back and it was so fun. And it was just like, we were just kids and it was really, really unique and neat. So yeah. those years are, are incredibly special to me. Colorado or, or St. Louis was obviously just amazing. I mean, the teams were 
who were great. We were so, we had an incredible, incredible run um, professionally. I mean, they were good every single year and that was, that was awesome. And yeah. obviously the world series is incredible. Playing in the world series in 2013 is incredible. Um, but the relationships is what I love the most is, yeah. is, you know, having dinners after games or off days, having people over, or when Matt didn't make an all-star team, we would have guys over every single day of the all-star break. Cause we had a home in St. Louis. Yeah. And, um, you know, it, I just, I mean, it's, I could talk to you about it all night. I mean, yeah. just how much fun we had. Cause shoot, he played from, we were 18 when we started and about 40 when we finished. And so there's a lot of memories from that. <laughs> from yeah. That, that's a long time. Yeah. Lots of formidable years, you know? Yeah. So um, a long time. Were you guys close at all with Jamie Carroll in Colorado? Yeah. So he is from, yeah. he's from right where I'm from in Southern Indiana. He's from Newburgh, which is a suburb of Evansville. I'm from Evansville. He played at university of Evansville. His brother actually, I think is still the head coach there. Um, and then uh, I, I took a hitting class actually with him and Clint Barmas, who I think also played for Colorado. Oh yeah. He was the first stop. Yep. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, so there Clint Barmas is from Vincennes, which is about an hour North of my hometown, but they came down one year, my freshman year of high school. And I took a hitting class uh, with those guys. And ironically, I did not end up making the freshman baseball team, even though I had taken lessons from professional baseball players, which was, <laughs> which was fine. Cause that actually catapulted my, my high school tennis career. I was a pretty good tennis player. So I quit baseball and ended up playing tennis, but yeah, Jamie Carroll really, he, I think he was a pretty, he may have started at second base for that world series team that they had. Oh, yeah. So I didn't know. I, I oh, only yeah. talked to him, only talked to him a couple of times. And that was during that, that, uh, that hitting class that I took, but he was, he was a good guy too. So that's fun. I love oh, hearing Jamie's stories. Like, so my, my show is called in no hurry. And we were kind of talking a little bit earlier about, you know, you're how, how you're balancing all this stuff that's going on. And, uh, the final question I always love to ask my guests is basically along those lines of whenever your life does get pretty crazy, you've got all kinds of stuff going on. Um, what do you do to sort of peel back and relax, you know, not, not make your life uh, so hectic and such in a hurry. Yeah, I, I'm, I like to run. Um, I run and listen to praise and worship music and, um, which I've come a long way. I used to run and listen to rap music, but that's not good for people. So anyway, I run and listen to praise and worship music. And that is my, that my main go-to thing. Um, I also like to remember to have an aerial view of my life and realize that in light of eternity, is this really that big of a deal? And there's a verse in James that I love. Um, and I, and I think about a lot and it's a promise and an invitation. Like, like you draw near the Lord, he's going to draw near to you. And yep. so there's an invitation and a promise in that. And so this, these are things I think about a lot because when, you know, um, I'm overscheduled for sure. And, yeah. and I have a lot of kids and we're in those busy, busy, when you have kids that are 10 years apart, like from top to bottom, it's just, there's, it's just relentless. And so I do have to practice those things an awful lot and, and remind myself an awful lot of, you know, like, a, I'm not going to do everything perfect. I'm not, um, I'm, I'm not a robot. I'm a person. I'm going to screw up a ton. I, you know, what, what, what I may have set out to do today, I may not be able to accomplish. And, and when I'm super overwhelmed, like I said, I go, I go on a run. I think of an aerial view of my life, like looking down on it. And I think about that promise and invitation in James. And I, I do that on repeat, you know, and, yeah. um, and I drink coffee. I love coffee. And so that Same. helps. 
yes. It's uh, seven o'clock and I'm still drinking my iced coffee. Yes. So. Yes. <laughs> it's kind of how I roll too. Yeah. I, uh, I just, doesn't matter what hour of the day it is. It's like, if I can go get coffee, I'll go get coffee. There's a, what our favorite coffee it's shop nice. is just down the road from us. So I'm like, it's just too tempting. Yes. Every day, so. Yes. It feels right. Yeah. <laughs> So obviously the table 40 podcast, you can find that on any podcast platform, but if people want to connect with you specifically, where can they find you? Uh, just Instagram. So I, I think actually, I think it's Leslie Smith holiday is my Instagram, Yeah, but that's right. I'll answer messages. I think there's email. I think my email's on there. Yeah. Just whatever. Oh, cool. you can find me. <laughs> so anyway, Yeah. Yeah. I love people. So people are never an interruption. That's a lot of the reason I can't get stuff done too. It's because yeah. <laughs> I, um, I love people. I love their stories. I love it. So I think, I'm glad. See, I, think, I think you were, yeah, I was gonna say, I think you were the right person for that podcast. At first you didn't think that it was going to be you, but I think you're, you're the perfect person for it. So that's great. Yeah, I love people. I really do always have. Well, Leslie, thank you so much for joining the show. It was great to talk to you and learn more about your journey and obviously talk about the show. And I always love hearing, just as a sports fan, I love hearing stories about uh, kind of the life of athletes and hearing it from a wife's perspective of a professional athlete is a perspective I've not really heard much. So that's awesome. I love that. And thank you so much for sharing all this. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Cole. That was such a fun conversation with Leslie and before we recorded, I got to share some exciting news with her. I actually just got hired by Sports Spectrum to produce a few shows on their network, one of which is Table 40. So starting in January, I will be producing and editing Leslie and Matt's show. So I'm super excited about that and super excited to share with you all about their show. If you have not listened make sure you go onto Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever it is that you listen to podcasts, subscribe to their show and make it a part of your regular listening. And definitely reach out to Leslie on social media and let her know that you enjoyed hearing her on this week's episode. And as always, feel free to be in touch with me if you need to. I am Cole Claiborne on Twitter and Instagram and Cole Douglas Claiborne on Facebook. And I would love for you to subscribe to my email list. We are closing in on 100 subscribers. And so once I get 100 subscribers, which I'm hoping is going to happen before the new year, going to be doing a giveaway for an Amazon gift card. So if you have not already subscribed and you want to have a chance to win an Amazon gift card, Go ahead and hit the link in my show notes to subscribe, or you can head over to coleclayborn.com, click the newsletter tab, and that will take you right to the spot to subscribe to that. But thank you so much for listening. I hope you guys have a great week. I hope you guys find some time to relax and not be in a hurry, and we'll see you next week.